Well, good evening, family. We've had an amazing weekend, and I'm excited about what God is going to continue to do in us and through us as we continue tonight. As I was preparing to share tonight, I thought through all the messages I've heard over the years. I went to my first student conference back in 2000, and it was at Duke University, and I was able to... And it was just, it was an extraordinary, life-changing opportunity for me. And um, I was thinking through all the years of conference messages that I had heard and everything else that, that I had seen, trying to figure out what would it take to, to present a, a great, life-changing message. And one of the messages that came up in, in, my, in my memory was actually one that Jason McDaniel shared a couple of years ago. He shared a message titled, God's Not Dead, He's Dad. And that stuck with me. And so I was like, okay, so lesson number one, I need a great title. So I'm going with Spirit Empowered for our title. So when you talk about this, when you go home, you'll be like that Spirit Empowered message. And you'll be like, the message that David preached was Spirit Empowered. Right? But what we expect is that it's not because the title is Spirit Empowered, that it will be Spirit Empowered. It's that the thing that we want to do the most in this conference, we can't do on our own. We have to be dependent on the Spirit of God to do it. So that's the first thing I learned. The second thing I learned is that it's helpful to show a picture. He put up a picture of his family and he talked about his family, about how beautiful they were. And and I was like, man, I I gotta do that. And so if you could put up Uh, that picture of his family for me. Um, That's Jason and his wife and kids. I don't know their names, but they're beautiful. And so, uh, right, Pastor Robert? That's how that works? Good. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. But tonight, (laughs) I'm going bald. Look at that. 15 years later, but I've lost 45 pounds in the last 18 months. Some of it was from here, Pastor Brett. Just a little bit of it was from my head. I didn't even realize it. So, hey, this is my goal tonight. My goal tonight is to give you a fresh introduction to the Holy Spirit and help you see our absolute need for Him as individuals and as a people. This weekend, we've heard the gospel. We've heard that God saw us struggling under the weight of our sin. And he didn't say, oh, that's what you've sinned. You're going to suffer under the weight of it and you're going to die. And you know what? He could have done that and it wouldn't have been unrighteous for him to do so. He could have poured out his wrath on us because of our sinfulness, but he chose not to do that. He could have said, hey, you've really messed this one up. Get it next time. That's reincarnation. He said, you've messed this one up. I'll do it perfectly on your behalf. So the Spirit of God saw us struggling under the weight of sin. And he didn't say, try and deny your desires. Instead, he said, I will give you new desires. The Spirit of God didn't see us struggling under the weight of sin and say, you've got to pay your alms. You need to try hard. You need to make a pilgrimage to this holy place. I promise you, in the gospel, the only pilgrimage that saves is the one to the cross. And that's a pilgrimage that takes place in our hearts and minds. It's a pilgrimage from unbelief to belief, from distrust to trust in the gospel. And that is what we've, what we've heard so far. But it doesn't stop there, does it? 
We also heard this morning that God didn't just save us from our sins by living the perfect life that we couldn't live. And he died the death that we deserved on our behalf. And he rose from the dead so that we could rise with him into life. But we learned that he places us in family. And as you look around this room, I hope what you see tonight is not just a whole bunch of other college students who love Jesus and want to serve him and want to live for him. And that would be an extraordinary thing. What I hope you've started to see this weekend is family. And that when you look across this room, you can say, I look forward to seeing you next year. And I look forward to introducing more of my friends and more of my family, more of my neighbors, more of my roommates, more of my fraternity and sorority, brothers and sisters, to my family. And so we've learned that we are a family and God places us in this family so that we can be encouraged, so that we can be inspired, so that we can be cultivated and trained for the purposes of God. And then we learned that he doesn't just place us in a family, but he gives us a mission. God has invited us to join him as his ambassadors, as his sons and daughters. We take his name, but now he said, take on this mission to advance the gospel. Take on this mission to advance my purposes in the world. Take on this mission to preach the good news that Jesus has taken on the burden of the, uh, the, of, of the weight of sin so that you don't have to anymore. And all of these things are extraordinary to me. And if you're anything like I was, and I continue to be, by this time, you're ready to run through a wall. You're just a little bit like, okay, I've got, I've got saved. God loves me. He's called me his own. He's giving me a purpose. He's given me a people. And he's given me a mission. Let's go. But just knowing about the mission isn't the same as accomplishing the mission. I know that it's a really good idea to eat a healthy diet and go to the gym on a regular basis. But I also know that nachos are delicious. And chicken wings are like a symbol of God's love for us. Right? A good chicken wing or a good nacho, it's like getting saved in your mouth. And God uses all things to point to the glory of general revelation. You can talk to Pastor Adam Mabry about that, but I think that's what Jesus was getting at. I think that's what Paul was getting at in Romans. So I know that I should be at the gym. I know that I should be working out. I know that I should be doing these things. I know it's not a good idea. But knowing the mission isn't the same as accomplishing the mission. You've heard these promises about what God wants to do in your life. But even with this clear understanding of the mission, you're going to go back and you're going to face extraordinary obstacles. When you get back to your campus, that guy you've been chasing, he's going to be there. Or that guy that's been chasing you is going to be there. That girl that you've been chasing, she's going to be there. That girl that's been chasing you is going to be there. That satanic professor <laughs> probably didn't find Jesus this weekend. And it doesn't always work like it did and God's not dead. We wish it would, right? 
I guess that's a terrible example. He dies, doesn't he? Yeah. All in a... <laughs> Woo! I asked for two podiums. No joke. I said, we need a podium for me and a podium for the Holy Spirit in case that happens. You're going to get back to your campus and you're going to realize that your your professors didn't have a life-changing experience. And you may feel like a foreigner on this campus that you once felt at home in because you've been made new. Now you're going to be a stranger in a familiar land. This problem reminds me of another generation who had a great mission. It was a generation of people who had just come out of Babylonian captivity. And it was a group of people who symbolically had been saved and they had been given a mission and they had been given a purpose, but they weren't able to accomplish the mission. They could build houses. They could build barns. But they struggled to build the house of God not because they didn't have skills, but because it was uh, seemingly impossible for them to put their hands to the task that God had appointed them to. See, and it wasn't until they started putting their hands to the work of God that opposition came. And I want to warn you this weekend that the enemy will cheer you on all the way down the wrong path. And he's not overly interested in you When you're in that bad relationship, go ahead and stay there. Go ahead and pursue that relationship. Go ahead and pursue that that relief or that release that you find in that illicit drug. Go ahead and chase after that, that abusive relationship. Go ahead and go to those movies. Go ahead and experience those parties. It's just experience. Everybody needs life experience. Go ahead and do that. Not only will he not attack you and not oppose you, but the enemy will encourage you on in it. As long as you don't put your hand to the plow, as long as you don't jump into the foundation book, as long as you don't put your hands to the thing that God's heart is beating for, the enemy is going to be pleased just to watch you go right on into it. Sometimes I think we can mistake the fact that God hasn't judged us yet for God's blessing or God's acceptance of our sinful life. The the most startling thing about this is that's actually God's most strict judgment. He's giving us more time to respond and that's beautiful. Beautiful. But how many of you have know know in your own lives that more time doesn't necessarily help you make the right decisions? You got one thing to do on Saturday. You got to wash your clothes. (laughs) How long does it take to walk to the washing machine? Three minutes? Somehow it becomes a 16-hour chore. And it's 11.30 at night. Hey, what you up to? My laundry. Man, I've been busy all day. 
That's why I'm doing my laundry at night. But God not disciplining us right away can set up the most strict judgment because unless we return to him with that time, we're just asking him to ratify the condition that we're already in. So this prophet Zechariah comes to them and he sees them incomplete in this work of building the temple of God. Zechariah comes to them. So uh, one, another prophet came to them and he was Turner Burn baby. And Zechariah comes and Zechariah came as an encouraging prophet. And he says these words to the people. In, in Zechariah 4, verse 6, he said, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Father, help us tonight. Return to you. Help us forsake everything that would compromise our lives. Turn to you with faith and expectation and hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Not by might. The word might here speaks to collective strength. Okay? So not by collective strength. The word power means ability. So this is not by your collective strength, not by your individual ability or, or, or um, ability. That's a good word. We'll just stick with that. <laughs> but by the Spirit of God. Zechariah was an encouraging prophet, so it would be easy to miss the warning that's nested in this encouragement. He's saying to the people, What's echoed in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds a house, the people labor in vain. He's saying, if you're able to do this on your own strength, your own creative genius, your own effort, your collective effort, then the best that you've got is a monument to yourself and not a monument to him. This is exactly why Paul said, I don't come to you with persuasive speech, but I come to you in the power of God. Because Paul was not interested in building something of his own design, of building something of his own strength, of building something of his own ideas. Speaking of ideas, you know when somebody's like, hey, uh, my thoughts and prayers are with you, or my thoughts are with you? It's like, no, keep your thoughts to yourself. They're strange. (laughs) You don't want my thoughts. What you want from me are my prayers. My thoughts are bizarre. That's why I put up the picture up at the beginning of the sermon. It's like, what was he thinking? I don't know. (laughs) You don't want my thoughts. My thoughts can't help you. You can't buy a cup of Starbucks with my thoughts. (laughs) But my prayer, my faith that moves the, the spirit of God on our behalf. That's what you want. That's what you need to taste. What you need this weekend is not just an, an encouraging word. You don't not just need an inspiring word. You don't need a pattern. I promise you, the power of God is not found in a pattern. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And we experience him fully through his Holy Spirit. I promise you, the, the, your, your victory is not going to be found in some inspired speech. Your victory is going to be found in intimacy with the Holy Spirit. 
So I know we came with all sorts of ideas. Maybe I'll go and God will change my life and it'll fix my, my bad relationship. Well, you know what's great about being in college? You can just break up. <laughs> right, Pastor Brett? Okay, good. I'm going to go on this then. Are you ready? <laughs> so I've recently started doing some ministry at, us, at our satellite campus and I absolutely love it. But I'll tell you what, the relationship, uh, relationship stuff is harder. Because the relationship that they should have gotten out of in college, because he'll change someday. Oh. Oh. <laughs> she lets me play video games. Oh. Gotta shoot both equally as hard, right, Pastor Brett? Y'all the relationship that you can get out of so that you can get whole is easy to get out of now. You continue on that path, the soul ties grow, the, the intimacy grows, and it just gets harder and harder and harder and harder to fix. And to fix a, a relationship that you shouldn't have ever been in. I'm just saying, that's not in the notes. You know, it's like, it's like, a, it's like if you think of your, your life and you think of your relationships as trees, right now, they're saplings. I know they feel like oak trees, but they're saplings, and I promise you. And you can just snatch it up and replant it in a healthy pot. And I'm just saying, I know your campus pastor and your pastors would be more than happy to help you do so. It's quiet. They don't agree, Pastor Britt. But what happens if you're in this bad relationship? I just got to stay on it. If you stay in this bad relationship, I'm a glutton for punishment. If you stay in a bad relationship, what happens is the tree grows. Have you ever seen a tree growing crooked like this? When it's little, because it's straining to get the light. That's why they do that. It's like, let me get to some light. So I'm going to be all deformed and all crazy and all out of whack. Right? So it grows a little crooked. And so what you got to do is you got to be, hey, you stupid tree, grow straight up. And then you stick stuff in it and you stick stuff in it. And it's either going to be good relationships or bad relationships that you stick around it to get the relationship that you think you want. Okay. Or you could just plant it in the sunlight and let that sucker grow straight up and you can water it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I said. <laughs> I'd be the first one to run. It'd be like a relay up in here. Woo. So what happens is the tree gets bigger, okay? Have you ever tried to move a big tree? You can't do it. And there's some relationships right now where I'm, they, they got in it bad and they grew this way forever. And you're sitting here and we've got elders and leaders and deacons. We got counselors. We've got people. We got Dr. Phil. We've got, we got the guy with the suits. What's his name? What? Steve Harvey. We got T.D. Jakes. And we're pulling. And we're pulling. We're like, Lord Jesus, you're in it. When you say I do, it is the right person. So say I don't while you still can. But we're... Whew. So what... So, 
I know. Hey, I know we're excited, and it's the single people that are excited. I get it. Pastor Robert, it's like, it's like, stay on the relationship. Don't touch the thing I struggle with. I know because I do it. Pastor Brett, keep talking about unforgiveness. <laughs> Just don't talk about taking pens from the office. In fairness, I think you want us to take the pens, right? That's why they say Grace Covenant on it. I steal from a church. Convictions all over this place. What are we talking about? I just got my notes all out of order. So here we go. Y'all, the challenge, (laughs) the challenge for that generation was to build a temple where the presence of God would dwell. The challenge before us is to be a people in whom the Holy Spirit would be pleased to dwell. Now, God saw it through the work to build the temple because it was his work. It was his idea. And I promise you that if we pursue the purposes of God, if we pursue the person of God, he'll see that work through in us as well. We love Jesus, don't we? We're good with the Father. If you went to Jason's seminar today on the the Father's heart of God, then I know you're good with the Father. The rest of us are a little distrusting still. But the Holy Spirit makes us nervous, doesn't he? We've We've got this fear of the Holy Spirit, not in a reverence kind of way, but in a, I hope I don't pray in tongues at Walmart kind of way. <laughs> the Holy Ghost is going to make me do something crazy. Hey. What was that? Five dollars and change. Sorry. Just. <laughs> Stick to the notes. If you <laughs> stop it, <laughs> it's y'all's fault. This doesn't happen. I promise. In the satellite, <laughs> they're like, "Yeah, it does." If you want to see what the Holy Ghost provokes, look no further than the life of Jesus, who was in perfect harmony with the Spirit of God. Look at the Book of Acts and see how the Holy Spirit inspired compassion selflessness, how the Holy Spirit moved in power and saw people healed, saw people raised from the dead. Look at how the Spirit of God poured out gifts for the building up of the people and the glorification of Jesus. Pastor Brett pointed out to our church recently that people don't get dumber when they receive the Holy Spirit. They get, they get smarter because the Holy Spirit brings revelation that was otherwise not available to us. 
So you don't have to worry about that. I want to talk about what the Holy Spirit isn't very quickly, who the Holy Spirit is. What does the Holy Spirit do? It's a lot of points. Then how can we be the kind of people that the Holy Spirit would dwell with? And then what happens if we be those kinds of people? The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not an ambiguous force. He's not a power to be harnessed. He's not a fleecy white cloud. He's not a ghost or a concept. He is not just a gift. The Holy Spirit is a person possessing a will, intellect, and emotions. He is God with all the attributes of deity. He is the third person of the Trinity, co-equal with God, Father, and uh, God the Son. There is only one God, but he manifests himself in three persons whom we call the Trinity. It's a mystery that's revealed in Scripture, and even though the word Trinity isn't used in Scripture, divine attributes were given to every person of the Trinity. And so we put it together, and we see that God the Father was worshipped as God and called God. Jesus was, was called God. He identified equal quality with, or equal substance of, as God by saying, I and the Father are one. That was a declaration to everybody who was hearing him, saying, we're the same. I'm him. He's me. And then the Holy Spirit is the helper that was promised to come alongside of us forever. And there is no other kind of helper that could be with you forever other than God. It's a mystery that's revealed to us. And I think we think wrongly about mysteries because they bother us. We're like, it's a mystery. That means we'll never know. Except for the Old Testament view of a mystery was not, oh, we'll never know, so we can't accept it. The Old Testament or the New Testament view of a mystery was something that was previously unknown that is now known. Though we may not fully understand it. It's it's a miracle that this has been revealed to us. Because previously we didn't understand that the Holy Spirit was a trinity. But now we do. And that's the mystery of the trinity. It's a paradox and it's beyond our current comprehension. But we know that everything that Jesus did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit brings unity. In John 14, 16 through 17, Jesus prayed that the, that the Spirit would make us one. Jesus told the disciples he would send the, the Spirit into the world to convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. This is why the name of Jesus is so controversial because the Holy Spirit is working all the time to convict of righteousness and judgment. So you can talk about God all day long and keep it real safe. You can talk about spirits. You can talk about spirituality, but you say the name of Jesus and what you've done is you've stirred the Holy Spirit in the room. And the Holy Spirit is like, that's what I'm talking about. And the people are like, ah, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> that's why it bothers us so much. Because the Holy Spirit affirms the revelation that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we don't like that one bit unless, we rec- unless we're saved by him. And then it's the greatest peace we have that he's Lord of all. The Holy Spirit comforts. Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you a, another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of God empowers us so that when it's our turn to speak, we don't speak with our own authority, 
but the power and authority of God, like Pastor Brett prayed for us earlier tonight. So how can we be this kind of people? God's calling us to be a people in whom the Holy Spirit can dwell. And he's calling us to be that together, to be one and to be unified in this. So how can we be this kind of people? We need to forsake the world. We need to cast it off without restraint. We need to be like the person in, in, uh, that Jesus described. Uh, he, Jesus was talking to the people and he said, he said that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field and a man found the treasure and he went and sold everything for the treasure. What are you willing to give up for the treasure in the field? What I love about it, and this is something I've been thinking about recently, especially in the context of family, I, I thought, oh, the guy got, he bought the whole field because he wanted the treasure. But I'm sure there was a whole lot of other stuff in the field. Probably a bunch of stuff he didn't want, like animals that he didn't want, mosquitoes. Right? And he's like, oh, those rotted trees, I don't want any of that, but, but I'm going to take the whole field because I want the treasure of the kingdom. When we get added into the family, you look around and you're like, I'll take those three. I'll take ECU, NC, but Duke, no. I love Duke. I was talking about somebody else. And the hate that Duke has for them right now, but you're in the field together. So we sell everything. We forsake everything. We run from everything. We buy the, we buy the field and we're in the field together. You're in my field. You're part of my possession. I belong to you in this field and you belong to me in this field. It would be too easy to come this weekend and sing all the songs and shout and scream and laugh and have a good time, but hold on to these unhealthy ideas. We were singing a song. Oh gosh, I don't remember. It had to do with, there's nothing my heart wants more than you. You're all I'm after. It's easy words to sing. It's hard words to live. Because we think about the easy thing that we want to give up. But we, we want to hold on to that other thing. So what is that other thing? We need to forsake that other thing so that our hands can be open to receive what it is that God wants us to have. We need to forsake. We need to ask. Matthew 7, 7 promises that if you ask, it will be given. One of my children was upset that I gave something to my daughter. And it's like, well, why didn't I get that? Because you didn't ask? I'd be happy to give it to you. I didn't even think you liked that. I wasn't sure you wanted it. And this isn't a message on prayer. If you come tomorrow morning, there will be a message on prayer. But, but it's this, this idea of, of asking and expecting that God's going to, to not just leave you out and hanging. The process of asking helps us understand what it is that our heart longs for. God already knows what you need. He also knows what you want. And the process of approaching him in prayer and asking him helps us understand what's really going on in our soul. I remember praying in my parents' kitchen in college. And I, and I asked God, it was early. I might have been in high school. But I was like, God, I want to marry her. 
and I don't even care if you've got better for me. I was like, this is really not a good idea. But I was already in, so I just kind of stayed there. And then like later in the day, I was like, never mind. (laughs) But a lot of us pray that way at a conference. And it's like, I don't even care. As long as you don't put hands on my alcohol. I don't really care as long as you don't put your hands on my career. I really don't care as long as you don't put your hands on my money. You don't even have money. (laughs) We're so defensive of like nothing. We need to trust and expect that God is good and he has good things in mind and in store for us. I'm just going to start dropping my stuff down here. We need to receive the goal of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't about catching the Holy Ghost. It's not about catching the Holy Ghost. It's not a praise break. I love a praise break. But it's not about a praise break. It's not about catching the Holy Ghost. It's about the Holy Ghost catching you. It's about him laying hold of you and laying hold of your heart and laying hold of your mind, laying hold of your emotion, laying hold of your desires, laying hold of your heart, laying hold of your passions, and then directing them and inspiring them, redirecting them, and growing the ones that are for the kingdom. Then we need to walk in step with his Holy Spirit. There are some places that the Holy Spirit is just simply not interested in going with you. And sometimes we live our lives, God, I'm going to go to the movie. If you could hang right here, I'll be back in a couple hours, and then we can have our quiet time together. And then I'm going to go to a party, and you can just hang here. Instead of saying, Holy Spirit, where are you going? Spirit of God, where do you dwell? Spirit of God, where would you have me go tonight? I'm persuaded that there are far more places that the Holy Spirit wants to be than doesn't want to be. We see that in the garden. Hey, the whole garden is yours. Stay away from that one. That's all they could think about. It drove them nuts because they didn't trust the goodness of God. What is God holding back from us in that fruit? What is my pastor holding back from me in that party? They just don't want me to have fun. They just don't want me to be cool. They don't want me to have the college experience. This is a conspiracy. This whole thing. This whole organized religion thing. Mm. (laughs) They're trying to keep me away from what's good for me. Hey, they don't even know what's good for me. I know what's good for me. I'm 20. I'm sorry. Just boom. (laughs) Look, look, I don't know what's good for me. I'm 33. 
I need men and women in my life who can help point out what's not good for me. Hey, that attitude right there, not good for you. Hey, that unforgiveness, not good for you. Hey, that sin, not good for you. Hey, that pride, not good for you. Hey, that attitude, not good for you. Hey, talking to your kids like the way, like that, not good for you. Ignoring your wife, not good for you. Not taking time off, not good for you. Not working hard enough, not good for you. There are many places that the Holy Spirit would love to go with you. The Holy Spirit, I'm sure, would love to go on a 10 days trip with you. The Holy Spirit, I'm sure, would love to walk down the hallway, past the room you want to go into, the next room to witness. (laughs) The Holy Spirit would be pleased to walk with you in line through the food hall so that you could pray for a stranger who's hurting and in need. The Holy Spirit would be more than pleased to, war, to, to receive your worship with a group of friends. To listen as you cry out to him and ask him to draw near as you draw near to him. We're going to have an opportunity tonight in just a moment to repent together. And we're going to sit down real hard on that repentance for just a minute. And then we're going to ask God to come by his Holy Spirit and draw close to us to intimately come to us and fill us and baptize us afresh in his Holy Spirit. But before we do that, I want to tell you what the results of this will be. The cost is whatever worldly thing you've grabbed onto and you're trying to make happen in your own strength. That's the cost. So it's something of your own making it's something of your own desire. And I don't want to minimize it because I know it's, it's close. But this is the result. This is the promise for us. We are going to experience intimacy with the Father that is only potential until we lay hold of it. We know that there's power going through the walls all over this building, Right? but we don't have access to it until we plug into it. And so all the promises of God to convict of sin and righteousness, to remind us what what Jesus taught us, to advance the kingdom in our hearts and minds and lives, to give us freedom, to be our comforter, all of these things are just potential until we lay hold of it. So we experience the intimacy of God. He's going to unify us. This is why Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Because when the Holy Spirit is in a people and among a people, they become one. They become unified. You know what the world doesn't need right now? Is a whole bunch of college students running around with a whole bunch of great ideas. Everybody's looking for the next great idea. What we need is the next great inspired people. A great unified people. We don't need good meetings. We don't need great meetings. It's not by chalking the campus. It's not by postcards, but by the Spirit of God that will become one. It's not by great sermons or bad sermons or good worship or our favorite songs, but by the Spirit of God that will become one.
We'll receive gifts. Quick note about gifts. While the Holy Spirit is is not spiritual gifts, he gives spiritual gifts. And the purpose of these spiritual gifts is that we would be immersed in the presence of God, that we would be built up as a people so that we can be unified, so that we can have a stronger sense of the presence of God in our lives about what it is that he's doing and how it is that he'd like to do it. He gives us gifts for the purpose of accomplishing the work that he's called us to do, for taking the campus, for going and proclaiming the gospel. it's 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 the fuel for the fire. The value of the gift isn't just in the gift, but what it points back to. When you receive a gift from someone, every time you look at it, you probably remember that person. The best gifts are this way. The drawings my kids have given me aren't anything spectacular. But when I look at it, I'm reminded of them and that's what makes it special. When we hear a prophecy or we speak in tongues or have a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, what that should do in our hearts is stir our heart to be excited about God himself to be excited about the fact that God actually desires to draw near to us and he will draw near to us and he comes and dwells in us and among us. It's about intimacy. Finally, he gives us authority and power so that when we speak, we don't speak according to our own ability, our own strength, but our words carry the weight of his authority. I was gonna show a a video clip. I'm not for the sake of time. But it's in, it's, in, um, it's in The Lion King. And you know that scene where Simba's down in the elephant graveyard and he's like, That's my Simba. And then he goes to roar again, but this time his father roars from behind him. And so he opens up the... And what all the hyenas hear is, we probably could have played it faster than that. (laughs) Bad time management. (laughs) Now we've got some great audio to isolate. As we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, when we go to speak, it's not our voice that we speak with anymore but it's the authority of the Father. It's the power of the Father. It's the love of the Father. It's the compassion of the Father. It's the, it's the faith of the Father. It's the hope of the Father. It's the joy of the Father. It's the Father. It's the Father. So what I want to do in this moment is offer an opportunity for you to respond. What's the thing that you've been holding back? What is the thing that that you've held on to all weekend? Or you 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 don't have all your cards on the table yet. There's a moment in a poker game I heard. <laughs> when you put your cards down. Somebody told me about this once. 
And the whole idea is that you put all your cards on the table. You're not holding anything back. You're not hiding anything, but it's all there. What is the card that you're holding back this weekend? I want to invite you to bow your heads with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I feel your spirit desiring to draw near to us. And the only limitation being our refusal of you. God, tonight we desire to be intimately close to you to know you, to walk with you, to experience the fullness of joy, the fullness of hope, the fullness of belonging to your family. If tonight you need to leave some stuff, please raise your hand. We want to pray. pray together. There are hands up all over this room. And we're all in this together and we're all asking the Holy Spirit of God to break the things off of our life that are keeping us from experiencing intimacy with Him that He desires for us to have. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and I want you to pray with me and in your own words, and when it's time, state the thing that you're, that you're asked, that you're forsaking. Or the things that you're forsaking. The things that you want to run from. The, the word repentance means to turn from and to turn to at the same time. So that's all we're doing right now is we're repenting. We're saying, God, I've been going my way. I've been doing my thing. I've been chasing my desire. I've been chasing my passion. But now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your pursuit of me, even when I was running from you. And God, I forsake this sin. We forsake this sin for the glory of your kingdom. God, we cast everything off that would hinder us that hinders us, entangles us, and holds us back from your presence. God, we cast off bad relationships. We cast off, we repent from alcoholism, from drug use and drug abuse, from the party lifestyle. God, we even repent for just looking at the world as it was described earlier today. And God, I thank you that right now you are racing to our rescue. You are racing to this room. You are racing to our hearts and to our minds. I thank you, God, that in this moment you are racing to capture our heart's affection and our attention. You're racing here, God, in this moment to heal us and to give us hope and to give us joy of your kingdom. And now what we want to do is we want to receive together. We want to receive together the Holy Spirit of God.
before I invite you up here, I want to describe what's going to happen. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to, 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 to pour out His Spirit on us and to baptize us in His Holy Spirit and that we would be filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. And some of us are going to experience a great sense of comfort, of hope, of joy that we've never felt. Some of us are going to be moved to tears. And we are going to receive gifts from God that are manifestations of His presence in us. Some of us are going to pray in tongues. And many of us may pray in tongues. But don't chase after tongues. Chase after the Holy Spirit. Because, Because if you're chasing after power and you're not chasing after the person... You'll miss it. And you'll be tempted to fake it. Oh, I, I think I've got something. Well, no. But if you go after the person of God, we know that he's faithful to give himself to us because he did it on the cross for us. So we're going to ask him to do that. Now, tongues is like the loaded cannon, right? I want to let you, Pastor Brett has helped me over the years understand that, that tongues is, is, is not something that, it's, it's like, it's like laughter. Where it wouldn't be satisfactory to say, well, that's funny. That's mildly amusing. There's something that only a laugh can express about what's going on in our our soul. And what the gift of tongues allows us to do is express something to the Spirit of God that words are unsatisfactory to express. You with me? So that's what tongues is about. And what's great is because it's about a person and because all these things reflect back to Jesus and not to you, you don't have to do it big. The Holy Spirit is going is to come and He's going to give us gifts and you're going to pray in tongues. Some of you may prophesy. Some of you may have words of knowledge and words of wisdom. And knowledge is going to come to you and it's going to surprise you and that's the Holy Spirit revealing things to you, for you. But in all of this, we experience intimacy and closeness with the Father. So with that said, all campus ministers, please come forward. If you're a campus minister, go ahead and come forward. I want you to get up near the stage while you can. And tonight, if if God is drawing you, And you're like, I just want to be close to Jesus. I just want to know Him. I just want to walk with Him. I just want to know what His Holy Spirit is doing. I just want to know His heart. I just want to sense His presence. I just want to glorify Jesus with my life. I just need power for the mission. I need power to be God's disciple. So all students, go ahead and come forward if that's you. And let's cry out together for the Holy Spirit of God to baptize you afresh in His Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, we invite you to come by your Holy Spirit and touch our lives. Fill us up, Jesus. Fill us up, Jesus. Fill us to overflowing, Jesus. God, we ask that you would come. No, God, we thank you that you've come. We thank you that you're here among us and you're here moving. God, we desire to be near to you and for you to be near to us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit tonight, God. 
God is giving gifts at this time. If you're uh, if you're not up front, that's okay. Just reflect. Think about the weekend. Worship God. Talk to Him. God, what, what is this? What are you doing in this time? God, how would you have me respond? God, we thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you're a good God and you have good gifts for us. And Jesus, as we ask you, you're already meeting us.